Hi, I'm Daniel Budai, and this is the Ecom Show, a podcast where you can learn more about the world of high-performing e-commerce players and marketers. The show is brought to you by the team of Budai Media. Let's grow your e-commerce business together. This episode is brought to you by Budai Media. At Budai Media, we help e-commerce businesses scale beyond eight and nine figure annual revenue with retention marketing and website conversion rate optimization. We help e-commerce businesses get to the next level by increasing their customer lifetime value and website conversion rate. Budai Media helped 100 plus e-commerce stores grow from all over the world in the last three years. If you think you need help with scaling your e-commerce business, let's connect. Email us your questions at contact at thebudaimedia.com. If you want to learn more about this topic or find out more details, go to thebudaimedia.com. Let me spell Budai to make it easier for you. B-U-D-A-I. So again, go to thebudaimedia.com to learn more. Hey everyone, here is Danielle um, with another episode our, uh, of our Ecom show. And today is a bit special episode because... Uh, I usually invite marketers, business people, business owners, and uh, now we will talk about finances. It's not a really common topic in this uh, podcast. And I invited uh, Alan Chan uh, from California, US, uh, and uh, he's the founder of uh, freecashflow.io. This is a company that helps e-commerce brands and businesses with uh, US uh, tax laws, tax planning, uh, sales tax filling uh, and threshold strategies, cloud-based bookkeeping, and he will tell even more about it to everyone. Hey, Alan, how are you today? Hey, Daniel, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, amazing. So please tell us more. Uh, how did you end up in the world of e-commerce uh, finances, online business finance, basically? Okay, yeah, I'd love to go into that. Uh, so it's actually a pretty funny story. Um yeah, so like like uh, Daniel been saying, my name is Alan. I'm a I'm a CPA, a certified public accountant, located here in Los Angeles, California, and uh, you know been a C- been an accountant in all of really the last ten plus years, and really got into the e-commerce piece actually last year during COVID. Um, actually, with you know everything being shut down for a while in the U.S., I uh, decided to get into the whole you know e-commerce craze that was going on last year because everyone's stuck at home, right? So actually started my own Shopify store try out a lot of drop shipping products from like washing machine tablets, LED lights, and actually ended up finding one that worked was the rose bear. So it's like an artificial bear where like roses decorated around it. Great holiday product. Uh, yeah. And just found out how hard it is to be a solo entrepreneur, right? You kind of do everything yeah. yourself. You're the, you're the website you're the website guy. You're the customer support person. You're the, you're the inventory logistic person. You have to kind of know everything, right? And the last thing yeah. on your mind is tax and accounting. So even with me and then my partner at Stanford, who started the store with me, we're like, man, we don't even have time to do tax and accounting. And we're accountant. We're, we're doing this by trade. How, how can these you know, entrepreneurs have even time to think about it? But what we discover is when you don't consider your tax and accounting situation up front, you're actually really throwing out a lot of money. You're really giving up money to the government unnecessarily. And it's already so hard earned, right? I've seen so many entrepreneur friends work really late hours, you know, because they, they really try so hard, put together a business, you know, they work till 2, 3 a.m. every night. Wow. And I, it's just so heartbreaking for them to, to see then, then, then they turn around and be like, the government be like, hey, you got to give us, you know, another 20, 30% of your profit 
in tax dollars, right? Because they just don't understand the tax law and they don't want to get in trouble, right, Daniel? They're like, oh, I have to pay this. So don't shut me down and I get in all these compliant, you know, situations, right? So they just pay it. Whoever they get get an accountant that doesn't understand the e-commerce niche, they're just like, oh, okay, he tells me how to pay this much. I guess I have to, right? And that's the whole misconception, right? And that's what we're trying to break. And that's what we discovered at the end of our e-commerce journey last year is that, hey, we're just okay at doing e-commerce, but maybe we should shift our focus to creating an agency only serving, you know, online business e-commerce. And that's what we kind of do through our agency, Free Cashflow, is that we decided to basically pivot and say, we are only going to solely focus on these guys. And we only want to help these guys succeed and make sure they can keep every hard-earned money, you know, back into your business or brand that they've created. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also have my own business and uh, taxing, uh, tax planning is probably the last thing I want to do. For so, sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I think many of the online entrepreneurs like like this, you know, many of them, they are creative people. They are not really into these rules and laws and they don't want to spend long hours with this. So I think many of them, they just want to give it to somebody else who is an expert um, in this area. By the way, I can see that a few people are watching us. So if anyone has any questions, just feel free to comment and uh, we can reply to the questions. Um, yeah, so my questions would be, uh, let's start with tax planning. Uh, so why why is it important at all? Why, if somebody is thinking about still doing it, uh, why they should think about giving to somebody else? And what do you think at what size it's a must to give it to an expert? Yeah, that's that's an excellent question, Daniel. So the reason tax planning is important, and as soon as I say anything to really attack, people people just automatically associate with, oh my God, so boring, right? It's like you're going back to college, you have to take like a business class, and you're like, oh my God, I don't want to do anything accounting or tax related. But in the business world, I just want people to associate that, you know, having proper tax planning just equals more money for you, right? It goes profit, right? Real measurable yeah. value that they see back into their bank account that they don't pay out. So tax planning, number one is important for that, right? Is um, when you do it properly, when you don't wait till last minute, right? In the US, a commonly known taxes due, you know, April 15th, right? It's a very, very big, well-known date. But by then, I always tell them that's too late. You know, the, the tax year that you are actually, you know, paying your taxes for, it's over. Right. So if there are certain deductions you're supposed to take and a multitude of categories, you probably can't do anything about. Right. Whatever happened has happened. What we do for our client is we do it either on a monthly or quarterly, depending on the size of their business. And we, we tell them there's certain deductions you should take now. There's certain recommendations we'd recommend you take, because at the end of the day, when we do your filing at, at April 15, it's gonna, all going to add up to less money that you're going to have to pay to the government. Right. That's that's the number one thing what we would kind of drove into their mind. And then when they when they hear that, they're like, okay, that's why I need to do this. That's why I need to give Alan my information. Right. So that, that's why I tell them. And then I think the second part of your question now is look at what level would be more appropriate to find someone's help versus doing it myself. We have find from experience that usual number is around 350 to 400 k annual revenue. The reason we, we picked this number is not out of the blue. It's a lot of data analytics we have seen where that's the number where it's like the sweet spot, where there's enough deductions, enough, enough that accountant can do for you to understand what, what's going on to give you a better ROI, right? Back into whatever money you have to pay to, to get that service done, right? Yeah. So that, that's what we find. I would say like before that point, 
uh, it's, you probably should do it do it yourself because you're more in the bootstrap mode and you're more of a growth mode where you're like, okay, I can handle it. But after that point where you're really taking off and accelerating, right? Where you're like, okay, I figured it out. I know how to run this thing. I can take this business six, seven, eight figure. That's the point where you're like, I don't think you should be worried about counting tax. But at the same time, not worrying doesn't mean put it on the back burner and never think about it, right? It means yeah. find someone that understands that and have them handle it, right? It's the same thing for any other part of your business, I would say, right? Daniel, like if you if you are not that great at running ads, then you're gonna find the best ad agency out there, right? If you're not that yeah. great at, at doing email, you can find the best damn email marketing agency out there, right? So it's like that, right? For any, any piece of yeah. someone's business. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And uh, I just read this quote from Roland Frazier from uh, he, he's he has a famous mastermind and uh, he's in digital marketer that uh, you should you should spend time with things where you are the best at and yeah. you should invest your money into areas where you are where you are weak so other people uh, can do those things absolutely uh, so you mentioned uh, this level that's two three hundred k a year uh, what are the most common uh, pitfalls at that size and then at seven figure, let's say one million a year, and once they hit eight figure, uh, what are the most common pitfalls, especially in the U.S.? Because I know yeah. that's the main area. Yeah, especially in the U.S. and even and I would say this even affects people who are international, but then have mm-hmm. a high concentration of U.S. customers, right? Sales tax. Sales tax is one of the biggest, uh, I would say, problem areas right now for e-commerce sellers, especially. Um, there is a lot more, uh, I would say, scrutiny with government-wise and paying attention to this piece. Shopify just rolled out a sales tax dashboard. It's literally on the front page whenever you log in to Shopify now, reminding you that you're responsible for sales tax liabilities of, of the 45 or 50 states right now in the U.S., yeah. right? So it's not just U.S. guys, even international guys are affected by this. And I would say the higher revenue numbers you go, the more effective you are by this, right? Because you are just selling under a higher threshold to a lot of these states and you're triggering that number. That usual number is 200 orders or $100,000 in sales into a state, right? So the more you're, you're more, more states that you have triggering this, the more compliance work you have, right? So I want businesses to understand that as they take off, make sure you have someone that's watching out for that piece, right? Because there, mm-hmm. there are rules in every single state that's different. That's the thing where sales tax, it goes state by state. So each state has their own sales tax rate, right? And that it goes beyond that. Every city, district, county within that state have a little piece of, of tax they want also. And you got to combine it all to get that combined sales tax rate. So it's a little bit complicated. And then a little, a little more added to it is each state has their own, own leniency. Some states are like, hey, you cross that threshold, pay me now. Some days are, are like, okay, you cross it, yeah. you can wait till next calendar year, right? January 1st of next year to pay it. So mm-hmm. understanding those little rules are important too, right? So then you know that, okay, I actually don't need to do anything immediately. I have time to wait. Or I do need to do it because this state is, <laughs> they really want to come after e-commerce businesses, right? Yeah. And then also understanding this means that you have some planning you can do, right? So say you're in uh, like December right now, Daniel. So, and then you know that, you know, because you know your customer concentration, you're at around 90,000 of the 100,000 uh, trigger, right? I would I would advise that client, do you really want do you really want to still sell to that state or do you think you should concentrate your ad dollars in the other 40 something states that you haven't triggered sales tax nexus yet? Because you're just you, once you register for a state, you're kind of like you're going to be doing compliance from, from that point on. You're going to be doing sales tax returns near on annual, quarterly or monthly basis. And if you can imply put in some strategies 
to make sure that you know, have visibility of when you're going to cross those thresholds at the end of the year, you can save yourself a lot of money and not crossing that threshold, right? So if a state's charging you 8% sales tax, that's that's going to be about $8,000 of $100,000, right? A mark that you, wow. you, that you don't have to pay. So just little things like that. It's like people don't think is important, but the bottom line, right? At the end of the day, no matter how yeah. much your, your Shopify screenshot says you you made, right? On, on, on like yeah. a form somewhere where you're bragging to your friends or something. At the end of the day, yeah. it's about that net profit in, in, in your bank account, right? That you care about. And we're, we're trying to make sure you have more of that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And uh, great accountant can help a lot with that. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Nexus, sales tax uh, Nexus. So um, around two years ago, I wanted to establish my company abroad and I thought about US as an option. I didn't do it in the end, but I heard a lot about Nexus. And honestly, I still don't get it. So please, uh, probably many people, they don't understand it. So Please tell us more what it is, how it works. Yeah, no worries at all, Daniel. This is a very common question we get. So Nexus, uh, it used to only come in one flavor, right? The one flavor was what they call physical Nexus. So what Nexus means is Nexus equals affiliation or connection to a place, okay? That means that you have something there, right? Physical Nexus that ties you to a place. So usually that meant like you had an office there, you had a warehouse there, or you have someone underground, right? Like a worker, Right, or an, an affiliate business at that location. That was physical nexus. So that was great at that time for uh, online business because you had no physical nexus. You had no warehouse, right? Everything you do was drop shipping. So there was no way they can get you for um, to pay sales tax. That was that was the world like five six years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit longer than that now. Um, but then there was this uh, this this court case called South Dakota versus Wayfair. That changed the game for e-commerce and online business. That, that ruling introduced what they call economic nexus. Economic nexus equals as long as you have a concentration of customers in a certain state, you trigger, right? So that was why, why I previously went back to Daniel was saying like, as long as you shipped 100,000 worth of products to a state, then it doesn't matter if you physically are located in that state, right? You, you can mm-hmm. be in California and you're selling to Florida and you have $100,000 sales in that state, dang, bang, you crossed it because of economic nexus. So there becomes two different kind of categories now, physical and economic nexus, which is why there's all this uh, marketplace facilitator, facilitator laws now, right? So if you sell on Amazon, if you sell on eBay, if you sell on Walmart, all those companies are now responsible for uh, making sure they remit sales tax on your behalf. Like they were just going to automatically include it, right? And if you go into checkout, you're going to see that sales tax line there. But um, Shopify was one of the only platform where was, they were like, oh yeah, it's the business owner's responsibility. You know, like they, they get... They get ding about it. You know, they get letters from the IRS. They get letters from the State Department. That's on then. We're not responsible. But we're more uh, scrutiny towards it. We're more pressure to getting now to. They even introduced that dashboard to say, hey, we warned the business owners that they were going to get in trouble for this. We're not paying it. Yeah. So it's not on us anymore. It's on the front page of every every Shopify owner, right, that they have cost threshold, that have sales tax liabilities in these states now. So they're kind of saying, we're putting the responsibility on you because we warned you already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, can you tell us a few examples of tax deductions or let's say smart ways to, you know, have a bigger, uh, profit margin at the end of the day? Yeah. Uh, uh there, there's a lot, Daniel. So I'm going to, I'm going to go to the top three. I'll say that's okay. on top of my mind. Uh, number one is, uh, the home office deduction is a really big one right now, right? Especially after COVID yeah. where everyone moving back to, to their home, their office to be their main uh, place to do business. 
that one has two ways of calculating it, right? One is just called the, the simplified calculation method. The simplified cal calculation method, it's very, it's, it's very easy to calculate, but it's very limiting. The most you can get as a tax deduction for that, it's $1,500. There's also, there's a more complicated way of calculating called the actual, actual expense method. The actual expense method takes the amount of square footage you have as your office, right? That's exclusive use for your office. And then you can take that on a percentage of your total home or apartment that you have. And that percentage, you can take uh, as much as, as much things as you can think of uh, as deduction. So you can think of as either rent or mortgage in your home, utilities that you use, even repair and maintenance. Like you, you, you paint the office, Daniel, you can take a deduction for that, you know? So uh -huh. it, it's a very big deduction. And usually it can be up to, I, I was like the biggest deduction we have got from clients, $14,000 as a tax deduction because they just use such a big amount of their space because they were running a phone case business and they decided mm -hmm. to, to make their home whole garage into their inventory storage. <laughs> so yeah. they, they basically use half their home as their business. So they would, they would take a huge deduction for that. So that's number one and something they definitely should take advantage of, especially if you're operating your whole business yeah. out of your home. Number sorry, two. Before, oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Before you move to the next one. So, and what if, uh, you know, because, my let's say i have a u.s business it's uh yep. registered in california let's say but sure. what if i'm in new york or in another state uh -huh. or maybe even canada that's different story i guess but yeah i mean if, i don't it doesn't matter what state you operate in it's a fed it's a federal deduction that you can take yeah. so if you, even if your llc is in california you're in new york you're in florida as long as that place, you make it your um, your exclusive place for your business and is your only place of business that you operate out of, you can take the deduction. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, what was the second tip? Or oh, okay, sorry. The sec the second great great deduction that you can take for e-commerce business is what they call the startup cost deduction. The startup cost is really important because you know, as you know, when business start up, they're not making that much money yet, right? They're just still testing the waters yeah. and just trying to see it work. Usually it doesn't, it takes a couple, couple years, right? When they start generating real measurable money, the startup costs basically reward you just for being an entrepreneur in the US. It's saying that any cost that you have, that you have up to the point that you created a business, you can take $5,000 deduction for it. So you can think of like, you know, if you have done like product research, for your business before you launch the business. If you have done any kind of travel things, right? Like if you travel to China to check out uh, suppliers for, for your business. Yeah. If you have done any uh, work with lawyers, accountants for incorporation of your business, all those things count. And there's a lot of other little things like that. Basically, it rewards you for even thinking about starting your business. So then during that first year, you can just add up all these deductions. So people don't even know. They're like, oh, I can take deductions for before I start up my business just for thinking about it. Yeah. $5,000 worth of that can go on your first year tax, dedu tax deduction. That's really good. Yeah. 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 So for people who are thinking of like thinking of starting a business and then like unsure. So no, just know that this $5,000 tax deduction waiting for you. Right. So don't be afraid of, you know, getting your foot wet, feet wet. I would say. You just um, get, the, you just mm -hmm. get some kind of uh, paper about it, documentation that you spent certain amount of money on product research, let's say, or traveling. And then they can just, uh, not refund it, but you know, just give it back the the amount. Exactly. So uh, mm -hmm. keeping good records is always good, right? In case you, you get you become you know target of an audit. Uh, but yeah, if you if you have any documentation receipts that you know you travel to China, right, or yeah. any kind of receipts that uh, you pay a accountant a lawyer to to, to look into something, or you bought a product research 
app, like a like a jungle jungle scout or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. Anything like that, you can just keep as a receipt, and then you can send to your account and say, "Hey, these are all my startup costs. Can you add them up and take my deduction for me?" Yeah, that's up really to five thousand dollars. Yeah, up to yeah. five thousand yeah. dollars. Yeah. Yeah. So the number three and the last thing I want I want to bring the audience with is. Is, is basically, it's not even a way to, uh, like, it's not a way to cheat the system. This is all very legal, right? Everything I introduce here, it's basically what they call a way to accelerate your expenses, right? So if you think about it, when businesses start out, um, they go what they call, a, what they are what they call a cash basis taxpayer, right? There's two forms. There's in your cash or accrual basis. And mostly when you're starting out, you can be cash. So cash, cash it means everything follows cash. Cash goes in. Um, that's a, that's revenue you create you you made right cash goes out that's an expense so with that kind of little little concept here that means that as long as cash goes out during the tax year you can count that as expense so what can you do that means you can you can put expenses into the current tax year to make sure you get more of that deduction right so you can think of it two ways one thing that I see commonly people do is they prepay for software, right? So you, you you use a lot of common software, I'm sure, in, in your in your agency too, right, Daniel? So if you use Zoom, if you use Slack, anything like that, what you can do is you can say, I just I want to pay for that whole year of Slack, right? I want to pay for that yeah. whole year of Zoom. So one, you get a discount, right? Usually if you do an annual license, you get some sort of 10, 15% yeah. off discount. And two, you can take that whole year as a tax deduction, right? So if you every one month you pay 20 bucks, then 12 months you pay 120, you can take that all $120, for example, as a tax deduction. So that's accelerating all that to that turn tax year. Um, and the second thing people like to do is if they have good planning in their business, right? Like if they have a good account that makes make sure they have good forecasting, they can they can pre-purchase inventory, right? So if they buy another $300,000 of inventory during December, because they know that's gonna that's what they're gonna sell next year, that $300,000 is gonna reduce their tax 